Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Oh, and welcome to the third hour of Martha Norwalk's Animal World, but today's the final uh, Sunday of the month, which means it's Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin McDonald, and I had to laugh. Nathan was over there dancing his full heart out back there, and it was great fun to watch. Um, he, he, he really gets into that sort of thing, and that's, that's really cool. And uh, um, we've had a, I got to tell you, Nathan, this has been a great show so far, don't you think? It's a very lovely show. It's a very loving <laughs> and lovely, lovely show. And I, I got to I gotta tell you, this is how uh, the podcast comes across. This is what I do on uh, my independence report. And, uh, and my next guest, as well as the last two, have been on my independence report. And we are going to put this one up tomorrow for everybody to go back to and review the information. Because some of this information is just, you can't, you can't buy this anywhere else. It's just really special. And I, I want to thank... Uh, everyone for listening and um um and this is a name that that i shouldn't be able to pronounce but she's so special i can do it and uh, dr annabelle bugatti is with us and she is a um she's a uh, marriage counselor and a family therapist out of las vegas nevada where there's lots of work down there i am sure uh doc how you doing i'm great how you doing <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much. I'm doing the fine. Thank you. It's it's it's, it's good to t- it's good to talk to you because you are um, really gifted at what you do, and you you work with all kinds of folks and stuff, and uh, it's it's great fun. How did you become a therapist? What decided you to do that? Uh, well, thank you again for allowing me to be here with you guys and all the wonderful listeners out there. Just want to say hello and happy Sunday. And uh, so how did I become a therapist? Well, that's kind of an interesting story because I've always had a love of many things. And so it was kind of a matter of figuring out what did I love enough to be able to like go through all the college courses that you didn't want to have to sit through (laughs) in order to get to the career path you wanted to go. So, I mean, I had been interested in journalism and photography and, you know, So I finally settled on psychology and uh, I took a psychotherapy course during my bachelor's degree. And I also had happened to go through a divorce and went through marriage counseling as part of that, which was extremely impactful and really changed my life and helped me learn a lot about myself. Um, And so, you know, I grew up in a very religious household and divorce wasn't really part of our value system. So it was a really big conflict for me. And so I figured, you know, like it was something I never thought I would do. And here I was going through a divorce. So I thought if I can help other people recognize the signs and dispel myths and just now that I've been to the other side of the fence, I figured if I can help other people benefit from my experience and I'll have turned it into something good. So 
here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you do you have a great practice in Las Vegas, like I said, and 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 you've written books, and you also work with uh, uh, your certified EFT supervisor and therapist. And what what exactly is that? So EFT stands for Emotionally Focused Therapy. This was pioneered by Dr. Sue Johnson. She's amazing. Maybe you've heard some of her books, uh, Love Sense and Hold Me Tight. Wonderful books for couples. And uh, really, it's all about attachment and emotion and behavior and how the three come together. And, you know, basically, attachment is wired into our survival instincts as human beings. So, you know... It's only natural for us to feel, you know, when, when people go through heartbreak and they'll describe physical sensations like, I feel like I'm going to die. Literally, that's what your brain is telling you on the inside because your brain doesn't know the difference between physical and emotional pain. It's exactly the same according to your body. So, of course, all, the, all those survival instincts are, are lighting off. So, I really enjoy helping couples have better relationships and, um, you know, fixing the cycles of conflict they get stuck in, you know, feeling like they're having the same fight over and over and over again. But really what I love about EFT is we are able to get to the heart of the issue faster than any other model of counseling out there. And EFT has been tested like rigorous research on the way that we conduct the therapy to see if it's even effective. And we know that it's effective. We know why we know how. So I love it. Even when I see individuals, I'm able to cut through stuff that they may have been in therapy for years and I can cut through it in a couple sessions. And it's like, wow, I didn't know that that was at the core. Well, yeah, cause it's all about attachment. <laughs> Now I know that you are a professional at what you do, and you've got the and you've got the degree to back it up. Now, so I got to ask you, um, what are you able to do if we were to open up the phone lines and talk to people? What would you be able to talk to us about? Well, I could talk to you guys. That's such a that's a broad subject. Yes, what it is. You don't know what's. Yes, it's like right. a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. Right. What can't I talk to you about is really the real question. Uh, I probably because we're if people were calling on the phone, I wouldn't really call for something like extremely heavy or complicated because it's not the kind of thing that you can really solve in two or three minutes on the phone. <laughs> but, you know, I really enjoy helping people, again, achieve the love life that they want to have really understanding themselves, um, how to feel more positive. Oh, gosh, leadership. I love talking about leadership and attachment. Oh, that's a big one. And uh, business and attachment. You know, attachment just has its hands in everything. So um, I'm really big on helping people through identity crises. I think those are fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, why don't we, why don't we do this and see if there's somebody that would like to, uh, talk with, uh, Annabelle or, 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 uh, in, or me or Dr. Bell and, 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 or Nathan, and just, just to give us a say hello and, and we can talk about uh, whatever it is that would be on your mind because there's somebody out there that's going, you know, I really wish that I could talk to a therapist about this because this would really be, well, this is your opportunity. And, uh, and in, in for the next uh, 40 minutes, the price is right. So, uh, -huh. uh, if you'd like to, if you'd like to give us a call, you can do that at four, two, five, three, seven, three, five, five, two, seven, or eight, 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 two, nine, eight, 
888-985-5569. And we'll put you in touch with the good doc who can help you uh, learn some stuff about yourself. Talk about how do, how do you teach people how to learn about themselves and how to love themselves? Well, that is much more complex than it sounds off the cuff. I, know, um, I, I, I make it sound so easy, but it's, it's not, I know. Right. Well, I think one of the biggest parts is that I, I kind of do like a guided exploration with people when they come to see me. And again, this doesn't just unfold in like 10 or 15 minutes, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of it is done in, you know, the first hour. Sometimes it takes multiple, multiple sessions, um, depending on how old somebody is, obviously the older they are, the more life they've lived, the more experiences they've had. So the more that we've got to work through. But it's really a guided exploration, helping people to, um, I ask them questions that they've never thought about before. And they're starting to really think about themselves and their life reflecting back and through now in a different lens. And we're starting to connect dots and put pieces together as to, you know, who they are and, and why they do what they do and how they show up in life today. And then we can help decide. So, you know, if you want to show up in life differently, given what we know now, you know, what should we do about this? So we kind of come together and, and it's like life by design, right? Now that we know what's going on, we know how to interrupt what's going on. Now we have to decide what do we want out of life? Who do we want to be going forward? And I love doing the guided exploration, asking people questions that they've never thought about for themselves. And really it takes a willingness to be able to answer these questions. A lot of people have you know, demons, they won't face down, right? They have places inside that they really don't want to go questions. They don't really want to ask or hear the answer to. And so that keeps them from really looking inside and doing the work, but then they don't feel fulfilled. They're not feeling passion in their job and their relationships. And, you know, they're just kind of getting by. To me, that's kind of a sucky way to get through life, right? Just getting by. Is that a know? practical term, sucky? <laughs> Sucky. Yes, that's a clinical term, sucky. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, I imagine that in the your line of work, you have to uh, uh, provide a really, really safe space for someone to feel like they can bear their soul it's like it's like it's like taking all their clothes off and 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 stuff it's like they have to feel comfortable enough to be able to 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 do that with you yeah. how do you it's do a, that a very sacred relationship and you know the biggest thing that i do is i really help people feel understood and really seen and i help them feel accepted and valued in these places where they're being seen, where they're sharing themselves. That's a big piece for a lot of people, why they hide these parts of themselves, because they've never received support or acceptance. It's always felt conditional. Like if you see my ugly parts or the parts that I'm not so proud of, then you're not going to value me or you're going to think less of me. You'll judge me, you'll reject me. And so by offering them that acceptance, then, you know, it's easier to feel safe, like, oh, maybe I am valuable, maybe I can fully be myself. And that doesn't mean I'm going to get rejected. And so I help create safety that way. And I teach my clients how to create safety within their relationships, how to ask what they need to feel safe. Exactly. Now, now you work with couples a great deal, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, how do you work with them to get the most out of their relationship and understand that they need both need to grow together? Well, and again, this 
This requires both people um, being willing to do their part. Sometimes I have couples that come in where one person's kind of, well, I'm not going to move and do my part until you do your part. So they're both sitting on the fence, opposite sides of the fence, looking at the other person saying, when you move, I'll move. (laughs) You know, but really what I do with couples is we really just sit together and understand what their presenting problems are. But then again, with my expertise in attachment and understanding how attachment impacts emotion and behavior, I start to really make clear with them, like all of us together, it's kind of like I'm climbing in the ring with them, rolling my sleeves up and we're all in it together. And I'm really helping them understand what is exactly happening, happening between them, not in a theoretical sense, but in a very tangible, practical sense. And then we start understanding why it's happening, what's driving these things, and how to do things differently. And it's incredibly powerful. We're going to talk about um, one of the things that uh, reared its ugly head in my life, and I'm sure it has in most uh, people who were married a one-time or tutter. And uh, we're and uh, we're going to take a break first before we do that. So I'm going to tease you with the fact that we're going to talk about infidelity and can a couple recover from it after we come back from these breaks now remember martha that's all of these uh uh, um um, advertisers so please pay attention to them and uh, act upon what they ask you to do because she bets them all and and that keeps the show alive so we'll be right back you're listening to kknw 1150 a.m and welcome back to martha norwalk's animal world it's the last sunday of the month which makes it Positive Talk Sunday with myself, Kevin McDonald, and I've got a great guest for our consideration this hour. We've had a really a good show in the in the first hour. We had a wonderful guest. Obviously, in the second hour, we did too. And this is uh, uh, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, and she is a mental health expert and a uh, uh, marriage counselor. And uh, we were going to talk about that in the last segment. Stay tuned because she just brought up something that I had no idea that she could do. And so we're going to talk about that in the last segment. And it actually is animal related. So so. Stay Stay tuned with that, and we'll and we'll be part of that. So, but first, I wanted to ask you because most, not most, I that would be unfair, but a lot of a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people that you see, have had a cataclysmic breakup in their relationship as far as uh, fidelity goes, and somebody is or both have strayed, and uh, but they've made the decision that they're going to try and stay together. Or have they made that decision when they come to see you to try and stay together? And how do you help them sort it out and decide what's best for them? Well, that is a great question. Fidelity is a really tough one for couples to go through, but it is absolutely something that couples can get through. And actually, most of the couples that do work through it, their relationship is better after it. Um, It's kind of like it can be the catalyst to break the old thing and build something brand new, better and stronger than it was before. And of course, when you're the one going through infidelity, you know, when you're, when it's fresh, when you're still caught in the pain, when trust hasn't been rebuilt, of course, you're sitting there like, "Eh, I don't know, that seems really far-fetched, but I promise I have seen it. I've helped couples do it. Um, But not everyone chooses to stay together when there's infidelity. Only you can decide what you are or are not willing to work through. But 
I think a lot of it depends on why it happened and whether or not it's going to continue happening or never happen again. And this is a really hard one. A lot of people come in and they don't know why it happened. Um, and I promise, regardless of what Esther Perel says, happy people do not cheat. Okay, well, let me tell you this again. Happy couples do not cheat, <laughs> right? There are, there are people who will say, oh, you know, I was generally happy in my relationship, but then I, you know, went through an identity crisis. You know, Esther Perel talks about, oh, but some people are in identity crises, and, but you don't need to explore your identity through sex with somebody else, right? That's bull. Sorry. <laughs> it's bull. <laughs> no, it's, that's it's always sounded to me like a, an excuse anyway. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, just a basic excuse. Yeah. Finding yourself is like, you know, maybe I want to try on some new jobs, a change in career. Maybe I want to go back to school. You know, I'm trying to find myself. If you have to find yourself out of the relationship, then obviously there's a problem in the relationship that you're not trying to find yourself within the context of the relationship or allow your partner to be a part of that journey. So yeah, happy, genuinely happy and secure couples do not cheat. Um, I think the biggest part is just a lot of people tend to push down. And I've seen this a lot where people will kind of push down the little nudging on the inside that says, I'm not fully feeling totally fulfilled. I'm not completely happy. And then they try to tell themselves, oh, but I have all these wonderful things in my life. I have a good job. I make a decent wage. I have a nice house. I have beautiful kids. So why isn't that enough? And so they push it down and tell themselves why they should be happy, right? They talk themselves out of their reality instead of addressing what's really happening. And then eventually, you know, it just leaves them vulnerable. And then, you know, they start connecting. Usually it starts innocently with someone else and then, you know, slippery slope and they're not really safeguarding themselves in their relationship. And they, a lot of times, unintentionally find themselves in an affair, so it's really important not to ignore those voices just because you have the checklist of, you know, how to keep up with the good life according to the Joneses doesn't necessarily mean that you are genuinely happy. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's your relationship either. But if you can't tune into those voices, it's going to be in the nudging on the inside. It's going to be really hard to figure out what is actually creating that feeling and what you need to do to remedy it. So. By the way, if you want to talk to Dr. Bell, you can give us a call right now at 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. Are affairs about the sex? Not usually. Not unless someone has a sex addiction. A lot of time it's about um, getting their emotional or attachment needs met in ways that they're not receiving in their relationship. And they have a hard time asking for it in the relationship, either because of the dynamic they're caught in. Maybe they have a really critical partner. Maybe they're very conflict avoidant. Maybe their partner would be totally open to hearing what they want or how they want to feel fulfilled. But they've been taught just to never like raise their voice and only kind of be more submissive and pleasing of other people. So they never focus on themselves. So they just kind of quietly find these little avenues in life to try to take care of that. But, you know, when they're turning out, usually that other partner is meeting a need or helping them feel some way about themselves that they long to feel that they don't know how to turn to their partner and get. And there's a lot of reasons for this, and it can get very complicated. Most couples who come through my door, um, probably about 
60% of them don't know why it happened. I hear all the time, the person who stepped out was like, I really don't know. Everything was seemed good in my relationship. I'm just not sure why this happened, you know? And again, people who are really fulfilled and happy in their relationship aren't going to be vulnerable to like a pretty coworker just paying some attention. It's like, oh, that's nice, but I'm already full from my wife. So you can't add anything. And I love my my wife or my spouse, you know, so much that it's not worth the risk, you know, just for a little, you know. But what's interesting is that people tend to mistake their affair partner for their true love, right? And they're like, everything's so good when we're together. Well, of course, it's like going to adult Disneyland. You only go to dinner together. You go, you know, on these hot dates, you're having sex, but you're not paying bills. You're not changing poopy diapers. You're not in the trenches of life together. So it's not really reality. It's a thin slice of life and it's the most fun part. So, you know, be really clear. And a lot of people leave their marriages and get into, uh, they marry their affair partner. And then there's a whole can of worms that comes with that because they both cheated on their other spouse with each other. So now there's trust issues because they're like, well, I know that you cheated on your ex. So how do I know you won't cheat now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that generally happens because the, the, yeah. the, uh, the significant other a lot of times is a younger person. And as that younger person gets a little older, then they realize you're going to turn me in too for the younger model again. Um, you sometimes know, it's a younger person. Actually, I've had it go both ways. Sometimes it's someone their own age or older. And I do want to be clear that once a cheater, not always a cheater. Again, it really depends on why it happened and if they're able to understand why, if they want to correct those reasons and find a way to have a different relationship, then absolutely it can only be a one-time thing. Um, but if people aren't really sorry or they're not really figuring out the reason, like this, the storm that created that, the affair is a symptom of the problem. It's not the actual problem. It becomes a secondary problem, but in general, it is actually a symptom of the problem. So if they can correct the problem, couples can have a much better relationship. But if they don't, then, you know, they're kind of doomed to repeat it because it's a pattern, right? It's like when things get really bad or I'm not feeling the way I want to feel, if it gets to a point, then I've just learned to turn out in a way to someone else to cope with it rather than turning to my partner to address it and feel better. Or maybe I'm turning to a partner who refuses to address it, in which case, again, you need to address your relationship rather than turning out to an affair partner first, because again, it just creates all kinds of secondary damage. And for most people who step out, it's it's a character conflict, right? It's not who they are. It's not who they want to be in relationships. It's not in their value system. So being able to deal with your marriage on its own terms and decide if it needs to be fixed or if we need to get a divorce and move on is better than making it all messy and, you know, by having an affair. I went through that with a female friend of mine who was the other woman mm -hmm. and it, she was the other woman for well over two years mm -hmm. and they worked together mm -hmm. in the same facility and his wife and children would come see him at work quite regularly mm -hmm. and she was an assistant to him and so it was like all the four the four of them would be in a room together i can't imagine anything that icky to right. to, to how people can do that to each other well especially um, with the if the wife didn't know she's in the room well, with 
with her coworker who she thinks is her friend and her spouse and she has no idea. I mean, that just leads to such a massive betrayal and people really experience a form of trauma from these kinds of betrayals. It's a relational trauma and that's really hard to deal with. It's very, very painful, but it can be dealt with. Yeah. Well, then, but, then, you, then you have people like me because one time in my married life, one time, one little old time, I had somebody call me. They, this was in the days when they had beepers uh -huh. uh, and I was a sales guy. And I get this number from somebody who called me and she said, you know, I saw you drop your card off at this particular restaurant and I think you're really cute and I would love to get together with you and, you know, uh, and she she made, she referenced a particular thing that I won't go into, um, and my my initial response was, my wife set this up, uh, and so there's not. You were getting catfished before catfishing had a name. <laughs> yes, I, she was setting me up just to see if I would be loyal or not, mm -hmm. and and stuff. So I I had nothing to do with that, or nor would I. Because that that just made no sense to me. I wish I could have convinced her of that, but that's a story for another time. Uh, you know what I gotta tell you something that's super interesting too is in Vegas. I don't know what it is. Just some people have no respect for boundaries or relationships, and it's interesting that no one wants to be cheated on. Yet they'll make up excuses why it's okay to help someone else cheat, but. In Vegas, it's this weird thing where it's like wedding rings are like catnip. <laughs> and it's like some people have this challenge, like, ooh, if they're married and I can conquer a married person, you know, and they will throw themselves. And, and it's so true. So I was married to an entertainer. And when we first got together, there were women who didn't know that he had gotten married yet. He had fans and stuff. And, and I was getting his managing his fan email and it was coming to my cell phone. And I'd get like emails with naked pictures of girls. And, you know, at, at first it was only a few. And so we decided like, let's kind of like educate these people and let them know, hey, like I'm happily married you know, this isn't appropriate, you know, I appreciate you being a fan, but, you know, never going to happen. What's interesting is as soon as you tell them I'm married, they will email back and send more erotic photos, like, like more intense. And they're like, oh yeah, well, can your wife do this or do that? And it's like, oh man, what does he, do you think he really needs like to get off by having them swing from the ceiling by their earlobes? Like, <laughs> really? Oh, I got to tell you, and Las Vegas is, is the most unique place in the world. One one time I was doing a, uh, a conference there, and um, because we were there all week, they put me into a nice room. It was a suite and stuff, and then uh, I hadn't noticed, but then in the morning, I looked up, and there was a mirror over the bed, and it was like, oh, geez, now I see what my wife looks at in the morning. That probably isn't such a good thing, but uh, uh, it's... It, it, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's what Actually, I have to disagree with you. What happens in Vegas ends up on Facebook. And <laughs> what happens in Vegas ends up as an STD. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I worked with a company out of Arkansas. 
and and it was out of Salem Springs, Arkansas, and everybody who went the, the, what they did on Sunday was it's a Southern Baptist community, so everybody went to church on Sunday, and uh, and everybody was part of this uh, spiritual community. Well, when they when we had a uh, uh, conference that we went to in Vegas, they would get off the plane. The first thing they'd say is, "Where's the where, where's the gentleman's club? I want to go to a gentleman's club today," and and stuff. So you know. People are people are people, but uh, but but I was going to tell Nathan, you know, what we should do, Nathan, is get a couple wedding rings and go to Vegas for a weekend and see what happens. <laughs> I was right? there just before the pandemic hit, and I mean, it, a lot of things will happen. <laughs> right? You want to pick up chicks? Trust me, though, the kind of chicks throwing themselves at your wedding ring are not the kind of girls you want to hook up with anyway. <laughs> No, no, and 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 disease is so prevalent and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. You know, there's dating sites now, you know, which which I can kind of understand, but there are dating sites now according to people's STDs, and <laughs> you know, a part of me is like, wow, but another part of me is thinking, what if I was somebody who was lied to? Because I have had many clients who were horrifically lied to by a sexual partner or a past romantic uh, relationship. And ended up with a an STD that was incurable. And so, if you're walking around with this, and a lot of them feel immense shame, and they, you know, um, believe they're going to be judged by a future partner, it's like, well, maybe someone else who's in the same position can accept me, rather than having to tell someone like, oh, I have, you know, HPV or herpes or something, you know, so that they can be loved and and feel accepted in a relationship. I mean, that would really suck if you got. A, a permanent STD and your fear was, oh my gosh, will anyone ever love me and be in a relationship with me? Because, you know, I got something that I was lied to. It's not like I was being immoral or promiscuous or anything. It was like I was actually lied to, you know? So it's that. Yeah, so look, I understand both. <laughs> I have this other friend that uh, she wasn't lied to and she actually was promiscuous. Yeah. And she ended up, she ended up getting uh, herpes and then, but then what her rationalization was, well, I never gave it to anybody. Well, how the hell do you know that? So you stopped having sex after you? Oh no 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 no! She just oh, she she, yeah. She, she doesn't know she didn't give it to anyone. They just didn't tell her, and possibly because they were with also with multiple sexual partners, and maybe they're trying to go down the list, and maybe some of them never even got her phone number at all, so they couldn't touch with her. That that has to be that has to be really hard. If you have a married, a couple comes to you and one of them ends up with an STD and the one who ends up with the STD didn't do anything mm-hmm. with anybody else and they are their 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 spouse gave it to them when they came home. Yep, that's absolutely happened. I've had people who have had affairs that resulted in children, secret love children, and that is complicated. Oh dear. Well, yeah. you know, I would I if I ever was in that situation, I'd come to talk to you. If somebody wants to come and talk to you, how do they do it? Move so you can <laughs> you can right? Just go to my website, drbell.com, B-E-L-L-E, like Bell from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> drbell.com. So and we need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about you. I'm intrigued by what you were talking about because of of the the things that you did with animals. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that when we come back. So you're listening to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. This is Positive Talk Sunday. Uh, Doctor Bell is with us, and you're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. 
And we welcome back to our final segment today on uh, Martha Norwalk's Animal World. This is Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin McDonald, and uh, I'm very happy to be here because Dr. Bell is with us. I, I just I love how, how, how gifted you are at the way that you can explain stuff, and I just would I'd come see you in a heartbeat if I was married and we were having problems, but then I buried her in the backyard, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway. Like that guy in Utah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was not good. And he, 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 well, never mind. Uh, but we were talking about the fact that this is Martha Norwalk's Animal World and that uh, she is an animal animal behavioral therapist. By the way, on the, in that segment on commercials, we had Natasha Venter, who is a good friend of mine. She's on the podcast. Um, she's a, a, a psychic medium and a life coach. And so you can go talk to her. You can listen to her a couple of times on my podcast a week and so, and stuff and then also um we're talking about um uh, jude uh jude and paul and of course paul ponton is, has passed on and so jude is not actively working right now but uh nathan what is she what has she got going available now on martha norwalk's page under current events there's a link to give in kind which is like a charity type GoFundMe. and on that page right now just a little bit more information on that uh, she's not really requesting visitors, of course, with the COVID going on, but also no calls. And if you do want to send flowers, make sure they're pet friendly. And as always, uh, monetary donations are the most helpful due to the unexpected expenses that she has to deal with, with the passing of Paul. And he was always the one that was handling all that stuff. And this is definitely a learning curve for Jude. So any sort of help would be appreciated. Just go to Martha Norwalk's animal Martha Norwalk dot com and click on current events and there will be a link to that given pine, given kind page for you to do that. Do the best you can for her. She's a lovely lady and, and it's such a horrible situation. So I think what you said too is really important about sending flowers that are pet friendly. I have met so many people who got flowers at the store, bought potted plants, and they didn't know they were poisonous and their cat or their dog munched on them, went into like liver failure and died. Like, all because I brought this Easter plant home or, you know, I planted a, a West Palm in my backyard or, you know, had an oleander tree. Oh, that's, that's, so you know about that stuff. That's pretty cool. I do. I'm a pet owner. <laughs> so, so tell us about what it, what it is that you do as well. So I also help people understand how to build secure attachment with their skittish pets and, um, why that's important is a securely attached pet is going to be not skittish. They're going to be more warm and friendly, and they're also going to be able to tolerate the distance when you go away. Like if you're away at work or you go on family vacations without going through anxiety, having, you know, um, bowel movement problems when you're gone or messes in the house, inappropriate, <laughs> alleviating themselves outside the box, that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of people don't realize that animals are attachment beings as well. And they also need to feel safe, especially if they've been traumatized because they've been neglected or abused. And um, there is a way <clears throat> to build that secure attachment with them, but it does take time and it does take commitment by the pet owner. But absolutely, you can shape secure attachment in any being that has been traumatized uh, or hurt. How does one do that? 
Well, so um, in EFT, again, that's the model of counseling. I use emotionally focused therapy, and it's just tremendous how this applies to all attachment creatures. We always talk about how every person to feel secure needs an attachment figure who is accessible, responsive, and engaged. Dr. Sue Johnson says the fundamental question is, are you there for me? So when you have a pet who's been neglected or abused, they've had experiences where their pet owner is not there for them, right? And, you know, and I love watching these rescue videos like the Dodo channel and stuff on Facebook. Oh my God, just amazing. And so they make me weep. I know, right? (laughs) Or the ones that are like in Costa Rica or what, India, where they're rescuing these dogs. And, you know, it's, it's so amazing. But really, you know, when an animal has been traumatized, they need to know that their pet owner is able to, is approachable. You know, accessible is like a feeling of openness that I can approach you um, or that you are approachable if I need anything. But also I need to know that if I'm having an issue that you're going to, that if I approach you or give you a signal in some way that I'm having an issue, that you're going to be responsive and that you'll engage with me. So, you know, you have a, like, let me use my own pet as an example. So um, I have two exotic short hair kitties, and uh, that is the same breed of cat as Garfield. One is white and one is black and white. And the black and white one, was she's just a little thing. And I suspect she was the run to the litter. And we don't know what happened. We got her, um, I think, at 16 weeks. Uh, I guess nobody had wanted her, um, so the breeder... I got, I got her from a breeder because you can't find these pets in the shelter. And I have had tons of shelter cats too, but I really wanted this mush-faced kitty. <laughs> and um, so we're not sure what happened, <clears throat> but she kind of acted like she had been stepped on. And because she was also so little that it's like when you're that small on the ground, everything you know around you seems like a giant's world. And when we got her, you know, she already had like, um, am I allowed? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word on the air, diarrhea. <laughs> she had diarrhea in her cage. You can, the diarrhea is a staple of the show. As a matter of fact, okay. anti-icky poo is okay. what you need if you've got diarrhea in the house. Anti-icky poo right. will take right. care of it. Yeah, she had icky poo in her little travel carrier and... You know, she had icky poo for quite a while. I had to try all kinds of different diets. I tried prescription stuff on her. None of that work. I I ended up having to cook her meals. I had to cook her salmon and give her like baby food peas just to give her some kind of nutrients and stabilize her. But, you know, diarrhea, when, when your baby, when your baby animal has, is not developing normal bowel movements, that can be a sign of trauma. And it just seemed like her development was delayed, which development absolutely can be impacted by trauma. And so I would just kind of see like, you know, when she would hear things, I could actually see her trying to map it. Like she would look around trying to figure out where it was coming from, but she would look in kind of odd directions, which told me like, "Uh, I think some things aren't fully neurologically connecting there, which again can also be another part of trauma. And sometimes it's just, you know, abnormal development not necessarily part of trauma, but the way she behaved was extremely skittish, very afraid of people. Um, And so one of the ways that I helped shape that was, so with that accessibility, responsiveness and engagement. So when she would get scared, I would let her see me, I would make it known that I see her 
being scared so that she knew that I saw where she was at and that I wasn't going to like, and I would respond by not like rushing in and getting too close. You know, I would move slowly, let her know, like, I respect that, you know, this is how you're feeling and I'm not going to try to scare you and overpower you. I'm just going to go soft. I'm going to go slow, you know, and I would just try the gentle approach and just really tune in and respond. And I would engage with her which means, you know, when she would get scared, she'd try to run away. I would still make contact. I'd be slow. I'd call her name. I'd hold out my hand very softly. I'd allow her to approach in her own pace. And this took a really long time, but eventually by doing that enough, she started to build a lot more safety with me where she trusted if she was on the ground beneath my feet that I was going to be seeing her down there and I wasn't going to trample on top of her. So, you know, and my husband at the time, he was like six feet tall and he tended to just kind of move pretty quickly through the house. And she would be totally freaked out by him because he would also kind of step on her. I'm like, you're kind of reinforcing the trauma. So I also had to teach him, you got to look at your feet, notice her, let her know that you notice her, that you see her. So she knows she has like a verbal uh, or a physical confirmation. You're not going to run over her. And then she can start to feel safe when she's around you. And it took, you know, gosh, it took probably two years before I was able to hold her, but I did it. And now she's my little buddy (laughs) and I'm one of the only people that can hold her and she feels totally safe with me. She's still a little skittish with other people, but I totally use the principles of my therapy model with her and I was able to shape her attachment style with me, which was so cool. Oh, cool. One of these days, I'll talk to Martha, and she'll have to have you on to uh, to work with uh, people and their and their and their fuzzy friends. Absolutely. Uh, and that would that would be great. By the way, if somebody would like now, you've got a couple of books out. Now they're primarily for therapists, aren't they? My first book is actually a beginning writing book for college students, so you know you don't have to worry about that unless you want to buy it. It's a basic academic and professional writing with APA format. <laughs> what an exciting book. <laughs> Good bathroom reading, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My second book is for helping professionals. It's called Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, uh, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients. Um, you know, if you're a pastoral counselor, if you're an addiction counselor, even if you're a life coach, I have nurses get my book. Um, you know, anyone who's in the helping profession, but, you know, I also had some friends and family do the layperson test, which was if you knew nothing about therapy or being a therapist or attachment, could you read my book and understand it and actually get something out of it? Would you find it interesting? And I had several people do the lay test and it passed. So I, I think if you're just interested, you can get a lot out of it and it's available on Amazon. Very good. And the name of it again is? Relentless or using relentless empathy in the therapeutic relationship, connecting with challenging and resistant clients. And it's really a go-to book to understand some of the most difficult or challenging people around you and how to use empathy. Empathy is not just a feeling, but it can actually be a skill that you can harness for the benefit of relationships. And the last chapter is how to apply the principles to yourself. So how to walk the talk and live it out. Because it's so much easier to tell other people how they should interact with challenging people. But then the moment you're in an engagement with someone who's challenging, it's easy to throw all that stuff out the window and just like, you know, start yelling at them or whatever. So this really 
teaches you how to apply it to yourself and walk the talk, which I think is super important, especially if you want to have a positive life. You got to be authentic and walk your talk. I want you to write another book, by the way. Okay. What do you want me to write? I want you to write about the language that you use because I'm impressed with the language you use in regards to different sets of issues. Okay. Uh, as an example, when you when you talk about infidelity, mm-hmm. you talk about stepping out. Mm-hmm. Um that which is a much nicer way of saying that he went and banged the you know and he banged his secretary right that's much much it's much better for you to say that especially when the couple are together but you you, oh, you absolutely and if you're the one who did the stepping out usually there's a reason and often they're really trying to be understood and when they feel judged and pathologized they're not going to be trying to open up and and get close and help you understand they're they're thinking you're already judging me how can you possibly help me and understand what it was that I was needing and couldn't get in my relationship. And so when you're able to like put judgment aside and just be with the people, it's so much easier to figure out why these things happen. There's always a reason. And even the people who stepped out need to be heard and understood. And again, validating their emotions is not the same thing as validating their behavior. Ultimately, they are still responsible for what they chose to do, right? For the actions they took, which was not good. But, you know, there was still something underneath driving it that they really need to be understood. And if they're feeling judged, they're not going to open up to you. So they need empathy, too. How do you get the picture of the offending party with the other party out of the offended party's head? Uh, That's something that's takes a while because again you have to work through the trauma but as the relationship starts to repair itself and become safe and each other is able to turn towards each other then the person who was uh, betrayed we'll call them the betrayed partner um, they'll they'll start to feel more secure that they have a more prominent place in their uh, stepping out partner's life and they'll start to feel less of a threat that they're going to step out and at some point, it has to become a choice, right? If Especially if you want your your partner to stop thinking about the affair partner, you don't want to be the one who keeps dragging that affair partner in yourself and putting them right in the middle and keeping that alive. So yes, you have to go through the, in, in therapy again, please get therapy for this. You have to deal with the trauma of the betrayal and the stepping out. You have to work towards finding out why this happened. And work to the place where you'll feel secure that it won't ever happen again. But at some point, you have to make a choice. Like, you know, seeing their face all the time, thinking about them is only going to make you suffer more. So you have to make a decision on your own behalf that I don't want to suffer. I don't want to think about this person. I don't want to give them any more power over me because, again, I'm thinking about them all the time and worrying and obsessing and thinking they're better. No, Put that away. And your partner cheating doesn't mean that this person was better looking or more attractive. A lot of times it's just they were giving me some attention. I was empty and they filled, you know, that person could be uglier than you were, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's not about that. So you've got to make a choice at some point, but hopefully when you start to feel safe, it'll be a lot easier to make that choice. 
It's all about choices, and you have a choice that you can be positive or you can be negative. You can get rid of the the crap. Next time we talk, and we are going to talk again, I want to talk about stories. The stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that other people have told us. That was kind of a a bit of a theme, but this has been delightful. I would like to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, and we should talk about toxic positivity one of these days. That would be cool too. I'm, I'm, I'm now you got me interested now, but I did, you had to say that when we had one minute left. Sorry. <laughs> so, I guess you'll just have to have me come back. That's exactly what we're going to do. So uh, I, I appreciate having you here. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Dr. A- Dr. Bugatti and Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, and she's in Las Vegas. Do you do uh, Zoom calls? Absolutely. But you have to be in my state. Uh, oh, because For of therapy, yeah, the, the law and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. So Annabelle Bugatti, go to her website, which again is drbell.com, D-R-B-E-L-L-E.com. Drbell.com. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening today. It's been a great show. You have a wonderful afternoon and be kind to one another because remember, each other's all we got. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.